All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We are going to start out in Matthew 28, and we will uh, move to Matthew chapter 4 here uh, shortly. Um, and so uh, the game plan is, is this, is we're going to spend uh, the next few weeks looking at discipleship. Uh, we're going to home in and focus in on uh, what discipleship is, what uh, Christ has called his church to be and do in our world. And so we'll spend the next three weeks uh, looking at that. And then what will happen is we'll jump into our fall series. Uh, and we're just going to work through the book of Habakkuk, um, just an Old Testament prophet. We're going to just uh, jump in and just uh, walk through like we have uh, over the last year, uh, verse by verse, uh, through that book um, uh, there in the Old Testament. And so um, so why discipleship again? If, I've, if you've been around this church any length of time, you know this is one of the things that uh, we constantly talk, at, talk about, we constantly look at, we dive into. You would have thought by now we've exhausted it completely. Um, and so I, I want to try to uh, answer that question, why discipleship uh, again, why look from the scriptures? Uh, Scott, it's something that you talk about all the time. You reference, you mention uh, numbers of times throughout the year. And so why, why again discipleship? Um, and, and I just want to say it like this. No human being is ever, regardless of age, ever needs to be told. Whenever they hear something one time, it's never enough. Uh, never settled after hearing it just one time. Some, uh, there's certain things in our life that we need to be reminded of that we need to be told over and over and over. It doesn't work that way whether you're old or whether you're young. It does not matter. You need to hear certain things uh, over and over and over because we are so quick to forget. We are so quick to uh, move away from. We are so quick to become complacent. And let, let me try to illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, uh, those of you with kids, I think you'll be able to relate really, really well here. Um, uh, how many of you in this place this morning have ever told your kids, all right, put your shoes up, put your toys up, and they've done it the first time, and they've never, ever left them out ever again? Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I, okay, good. So I'm not alone up here on the stage. Good. Um, same thing for me. Uh, I, I cannot count the times that I've told my boys. I've got two boys, a seven-year-old and a three-and-a-half. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I told them, come on, guys, put your toys up. Come on. I mean, you, you can walk through our house in the middle of the night, and if you are not careful you will, you will end up in the hospital, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a danger zone out there if they have not put up their toys. And we remind them constantly. We tell them constantly, oh, come on, guys, your shoes don't go there. And it's the craziest thing. It's like the moment they hit the door, I mean, stuff goes flying everywhere. I mean, they're taking off. Why are they taking off their shirts? I mean, anything and everything, you know? I mean, it's just like free game. It's just like, what, what are they doing? I mean, there's even been times where I've went and I've got, okay, Brody, come on, buddy. I'll pick up one of his shoes. I'm like, you get the other one. He'll pick it up. I'm like, follow dad. We pull out. Look, what is that? There's where it goes. Good, you, oh, good job. I mean, I mean, constantly there, there's this reminding of, and it just doesn't seem to fit. The one that I love the most is, is poor Bennett. Like his poor hands get tired. Dad, my hands are tired. I just can't do it. It, it just makes no sense. So I, I, I say that to kind of illustrate the reality of we're no different, are we? We need to be reminded. We need to be told. We need to be told over and over and over because I believe for us in the church, discipleship is the same way. We're so quick to forget or it's difficult and it's hard and so we don't engage and walk in it like we need to. So we as a church, we need to be realigned. We need to be refocused. We need to be set back up. We need to be reminded 
because it's easy to be complacent. It's easy to just kind of slide through. So our vision as a church is this, and I, I love this. This was here when I got here, and I just, uh, my, my whole goal, my whole uh, uh, calling in ministry is just to equip the saints to do this, to fulfill this. To, to live this vision out. And I believe it's straight from scripture and I believe it's a, a beautiful vision for a church to have. And our vision is, is this, is to make disciples who make a difference. Make disciples who make a difference. And we get that, like I said, right from scripture. Matthew 28, it says it. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says all authority, every ounce of authority, and we know authority, right? Because it's exercised upon us every day, whether it be by the law, whether it be by the government, whether it be by a boss, whether it be by a parent, authority is, uh, is over us all the time everywhere we're at. We get that. We see that, and especially for us as believers, this authority, uh, whether you're a believer or not a believer, Jesus still has authority over you because it says all authority has been given to him, heaven, earth, doesn't matter where. And so we're familiar with authority. And so Jesus, by this authority, is about to speak. And this is what he's about to speak to his disciples that day. As they're gathered there, he gives them this command. And this is what Jesus says. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So right there is the beginning of our vision. Make disciples. Make disciples. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. That's what the very heartbeat of our church is, making disciples. So everything that we do, from the songs that we sing, from the events that we have, from the ministries that we've got, every single one goes through that filter. Is this gonna make disciples? Is this gonna aid in making disciples? Is this gonna fit in what our vision is, who we believe that we're called to be in this world? And so he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations, not just Bowling Springs, not just New Life Baptist Fellowship, not just Inman, not just the upstate, not just the surrounding states, North Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, not just the East Coast, but he says all nations. So we're called, what he's telling these disciples here this day, Matthew 20, what we're called to do is we're called to go and make disciples. And so I believe that the scripture rings through even to our day today. As followers of Jesus, we're called to make other followers of Jesus. We're called to go and make disciples, to live this out, to do this. And if it was impossible to do, Jesus would have never asked us to do it. So apparently it's something that the church is very capable and able of doing. And the thing that I love about it is it's not just in our community or our area, but no, it's the nation's. Jesus is crazy enough to think that the church can reach the world for his glory, for his honor, and in the realm of making disciples. It's right from his word. It's right there. And so that's what he calls us to do, make disciples. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of give you two illustrations here this morning to kind of try to show us what this could look like, maybe kind of uh, uh, push us on a little bit. And so what I've done is I've got a few things here that's gonna kind of help me, um, help me live this out and do this and kind of illustrate for a moment what I believe uh, we should be doing as a church. All this is is just a, a cutie. Cutie holding a cutie. <laughs> Shucks. I'm sorry, I, back to, okay. All this is gonna do is illustrate a disciple. So me as a disciple, it illustrates and shows you that I'm a disciple. And so I've been, this, this month, September, October, is six years for me being here. And from the very beginning, my heart has been disciple. 
the day that I sat down with the founding pastor at Denny's and we talked and he shared that vision with me and I went back home and my wife and I prayed and we fasted and, and we asked God, what do you want to do? I just felt him confirm all the more, man, this is the place for you. He's calling me out of student ministry into leading a church, pastoring a church. And my heartbeat as a, a student pastor was discipleship and God just uh, allowed me to go through things and see things and be a part of things that, that, that helped uh, kind of egg me on, kind of uh, encourage me in that realm of, of making disciples and discipleship, whether it be uh, uh, unintentionally happening in my life through friends in high school, through uh, my mentor growing up, through uh, being in the church and seeing uh, how discipleship is something that is just kind of put to the wayside. It's a cool little thing that we talk about. It's kind of the hip, cool thing that's going on right now. So we'll talk about discipleship and we'll make it a big deal uh, for a few months because we'll get some programs in or some different things that uh, they're trying to push to get us to buy to be a part of all that type of stuff and so it'll kind of come in waves and for whatever reason I just couldn't shake it because the more I looked at the church the more I saw that discipleship was what was missing that, that I believe that, that this could be the answer to the very problem in the church us investing each other us walking with each other us following Jesus together rubbing shoulders together and so for six years, me being here, that's been the very heartbeat in me, is to make disciples. And so what did I do? I started a men's group, not long after I got here. And this men's group went from one group to group, two groups. And they meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays at Chick-fil-A, right? Because if you're gonna meet and you're gonna do this Jesus thing, you gotta have holy chicken, and so we go Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know? We get the saved chicken, and so we eat it. So we meet and we talk about God's word and we rub shoulders and we do life together and we do all of those things that's, that's discipleship. And so what I wanna do is I wanna try to illustrate what I believe could happen and then I'm gonna give you some numbers that, and I've got some math guys in here and I want you to check my math as I go through this. But I just, I just believe that this is, could be the picture. This could be exactly what Jesus is talking about. So I'm gonna ask Mr. Matthew Lewis if he'd come up here for a moment. So this was one of the guys just in being at church here for a little while. When I first got here, got to know, got to uh, meet, got to be good friends with. And in that, asked him if he would join that men's group. And I know there's other men in here. And so for sake of illustration purpose, I just want to show you. So what I did is like, hey, man, how you doing? I got to know him, got to walk with him, got to care for him. And so what I did is I, I brought him along with me. And so Matthew Lewis came along with me. And he's doing this small group thing. And we're doing life together. And we're hanging out some. And we're doing some stuff like that. So he said, yeah, I, I will journey. And I want to be a disciple. I want to grow in Christ. I want to be a part of what Jesus is about. I, I want to do that. I want to raise up and be a part of that. This is awesome, man. And so I can remember as I met with those guys and as I did that, I said, all right, now, now what I want you to do is I want you to do the same thing that I've done with you. I want you to go and I want you to get. I want you to decide. I want you to raise up. And so then it wasn't long after that that I got to meet another guy who's actually back behind the camera. If you'd come on up here, Josh. And so I got to know Josh. He was at a D-Now thing that we were doing here. And as he was at a D-Now doing, um, going through the D-Now thing, I, he was in my small group and I got to talk to him and I got to ask him questions and I got to know him and he liked golf and my goodness, I kind of like golf. And he became my coach. So he's discipling me, I'm discipling him. His is kind of a different discipleship. But in that, man, we're talking about Jesus. We are growing, we are walking with the Lord. We are asking all of those type of questions. And we're growing and we're loving Jesus all the more. And we start meeting and there's phone calls and there's texts and there's all those type of things involved. And so what I said is, Josh, come on, man. I, 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 I like this and I see what God's doing in your life and I, I want you to have this and I want you to go do the same thing. I want you to go and make disciples. So I want you to go find somebody. I want you to invest in it. I want you to do the exact same thing with them. 
And then I had the opportunity to meet somebody else, Seth. Seth, if you'd come up here. And so Seth got to be in my small group that we have, and I just got to know him. And it's cool how God set things up, and I got to do his, be a part of his wedding and get to know him all the more and grow in him and just see what God meant to him in his life. I said, man, I want to journey with you. I want to pour into you. I want to get to know you better. I want to walk with you as you walk with Christ. And so I just said, come on, man, I, w- I want you to have one of these. Here, I want, I want you to be a disciple. And I want you to make disciples. And so I sent him out. So you go, go make disciples. And so what I want to happen now is this, is all of you that I've just handed, I know, I know there's more of you that I've got to pour into and got to talk to, but for illustration's sake, what I want you to do is I want you, those that have got a, got a cutie, I want you to go and I want you to find somebody else. And I want you to bring them and I want you to ask them and invite them. And I want you to come and get a, come and get a cutie as well with them until, until this whole sanctuary is filled with people. And I just want to illustrate and show. So if I've given you a cutie, find somebody. Matthew, find somebody. Seth, find somebody. Josh, find somebody. And you take them to Jesus and you ask them to journey with you and you show them and you bring them along and you invest in them and then once that happens once that takes place then what I want you to do is after after you've uh, after you've done that I want that person that you've discipled I want you to take them and I want you to have them go get somebody all the while you're still getting people you're still you're still walking you're still discipling and so when I read this verse and Jesus says all authority go therefore make disciples of all nations that this is what it can look like. No, no, Seth, the, the job's not done, baby. You get, get another one. Come on, we're gonna do this thing, church. We're not just gonna do one and then we're done. That's not how it works. We're gonna see that illustrated here in just a moment. But now what you do is you go after somebody else. And then you go after somebody else. And we've got some cuties back in the back too. If you don't wanna come all the way down, you can get somebody back there. And we can go back to the back and get cuties. But you just come and you get, and you show that you belong to Jesus. And that you're invested and you're in this discipleship relationship, this discipleship process. So don't stop, you keep going. And I want you to just listen for a moment as you, as you kind of walk up, as you engage people, as you bring people along, as you get them. Like I said, there's some, there's some stools in the back with cuties in it. And so I just, I just want us to imagine for a moment if there'd just be 20 people. And I, and I read these statistics about a year and a half ago. 20 people, 20 people willing to engage and be a disciple maker or be discipled into being a disciple maker. If 20 would just go and make a disciple a year, And then after that, you don't just quit, but then your disciples will start to make disciples. Imagine what the church would look like. Imagine what our world would look like. So after one year of doing this with 20 people, saying, yes, I'll be serious, I'll be intentional about making disciples, I'll do it. After one year, we'll have 20 disciple makers. One year, 20 disciple makers. And then after two years, you know what happens? After two years of 20 disciple makers, they get people. So now 20 plus 20 is 40. And so now you've got 40 disciple makers who are out here doing this, asking people to journey with me, to come along with me, to, 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 to venture with me as I follow Jesus. We've got 40. And then after three years, we're going to have 80 because 40 times two is 80. And now we've got 80 disciple makers. 80 disciples, 80 people investing in other people, pulling them along, sharing Jesus, doing life with the sole purpose of reaching the world for the glory and honor of Jesus. And after four years, we're gonna go from 80 to 160. So we would have 160 disciple makers in the short span of four years. I mean, look look at what this looks like. Is it not crazy? I mean, who does this? 
I mean, it looks like mass chaos, but is it? No, absolutely not. Why? Because you know who you're going after. You know who you're walking with. You know what you're doing. The sole purpose is to bring them to Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to do life together, to show them Jesus, to share Jesus with them. I mean, we've, we've, we've done this thing that we don't even have anymore over here. So what do we do? We go wherever we got to go to get whatever we got to get to show them and to share Jesus with them. So after four years, 160. After five years, church, after five years of doing this, starting with 20, after five years, we get up to 320 disciple makers. Five years in, five years in, we are at 320 disciple makers. There's some in the back. We've used them up here. 320 disciple makers in five years. That's it. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Five years. And 320, I want to stop here for a moment because 320 is a big number. Because this past year, we've averaged 250 people. And so we're over our average in five years of what we have that come and call this place home and worship week in and week out. 320, five years. And that's what it looks like. That's what it could be like. That we go and we take and we invite and we invest five years, 320. And so let's just follow these numbers on out. After 10 years, there's gonna be 10,240 disciples. 10 years of doing this, church. 10 years of being serious about making disciples and never stopping and constantly. And that's just starting with the 20. 10 years, we're at 10,240. 15 years in of doing this, walking out Jesus, being obedient what he's called us to do 15 years we're at 327,680 people who are disciple makers who will go and do this and live this out after 17 years there's going to be 1.3 million disciple makers 1.3 after 22 years there's going to be 41,943,040 disciple makers after 27 years there's gonna be 1.3 billion disciple makers. That's more than the population of Africa. 27 years. Listen to this. After 30 years of being committed, starting with just 20 people, being serious about, yes, I'll be a disciple maker. I'll be discipled for that first year and then I'll pour out my life and I will do what was done in me. After that, after 30 years, there will be over 10 billion disciple makers. Over 10 billion that's more than the population of our planet. More. So when Jesus says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, I believe he's crazy enough to believe that this thing can happen. Or he wouldn't have told us. He wouldn't have commanded the church. He wouldn't have asked the church to go and be and do. And I, I, I love this guy right here. I mean, there's no quitting him. Thank you. That's right. Like, that's not even part of the illustration. I mean, that's for, he's, not, he's like, you got one? You got one? Come on, there's this Jesus guy? Come on, let's do this thing. You got one? I, I love it. Like, like he's, he's like, no, there's no quit. 
Man, if, imagine if we had that passion and that desire, church. I mean, has everybody gotten one? Has everybody uh, been available? Have, have you been down? Have you seen Jesus? Are you following him? Do you love him? So go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is where the intentional part starts in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So part of discipleship is teaching. It's investing. It's pouring into. And you do that. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, how we do that. But, but you do that life on life, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And this is the part I love the most. He says, and, and, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. So what Jesus says is authority has been given to me. This is what we're to be about. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna be with you until there is no more. I'm gonna be with you until I call you home. I'm gonna be with you until this world ends. I'm gonna be with you through it all regardless. And so I believe that's what God's called us to be about and to do as his church, to focus on, to put all of our energy and effort. And so I guess my question this morning is this, is if we don't do something that Jesus has called us to do, what is that? It's sin. If he commands us to do something or he asks us to do something and we don't do what he asks us or commands us to do, then it's sin. And so I believe it's serious. All sin is serious, is it not? No matter how big or how small we may think the sin is, all sin in the, in the eyes of God is a huge deal because Jesus on the cross every time. So every one of us, young, old, believer, unbeliever, every single one of us in this room this morning is in some form engaged in discipleship. Every single one of us. Every one of us follows someone and every one of us has someone following us. Whether we're aware of it or we're unaware of it. And that is, we carry significant, significant influence over people. Significant influence over people. Mark Deaver, he says this. He says, to be human is to be a disciple. God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice between discipleship and independence, but between following him or following Satan. So we're all disciples the better question is, disciples of whom? Disciples of whom? So flip over real fast to Matthew chapter four. This is where we'll walk through and we'll look at and we'll, we'll end. But Matthew chapter four, verse 18 is where we'll start at. And just look at how Jesus models and does this for us. Look at how Jesus shows us what this looks like. He, he is intentional with us in the scriptures and he gives us this story for us to be able to see uh, what it means and how to do it. Just kind of the illustration that I've just given us, it kind of follows along with that. Verse 18 says this of Matthew 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, he, here is Jesus, saw two brothers. So Jesus saw, he's just walking, doing his thing, and he saw, so that would mean that Jesus was looking, right? If you see something or if you saw something, that means that you're looking, that you're aware, that, that, that you, you, you've seen something. First, what I would say is this, is that we need to be looking. We need to be consciously looking. I mean, how often do we have that level of intentionality? Jesus is walking across the shore, just by the shore, and there he is, and what is he doing? He's looking. Yeah, he should be looking, right? Because you've got this beautiful sea, you've got the sunset, you've got the birds, you've got all of this stuff. But Jesus wasn't interested in any of that stuff. That was all secondary. Jesus was on a mission. He was looking for something far greater. He's been intentional with his looking. So I guess my question for you is this, who's on your mind, who's on your heart to engage for the purpose of discipleship? Are you even looking? Is that even on your radar? Are you even aware of that at all? There are people in this sanctuary even that needs to be discipled, that needs to be engaged in a relationship whereby you say, hey, can I just pour into you? 
Can we go get a cup of coffee once a week? Or can we just do lunch once a week? Or can we just, can we just, listen, I want to invest in you and walk with you as I walk with Christ. I mean, how many of you have got that heart or that mindset? See, my fear is that when we talk about making disciples, we may think of small group leader or discipleship development leader, or, or we, may think, we may think that way. But the thing that I love about it is Jesus wasn't interested in starting a small group. Now, I believe a small group is a great, a great vehicle that helps us get this, helps us live this out, that creates an environment. Yes, small groups, I believe, are needed and are good. But he was looking at doing, a life, doing life with a group of guys, investing in a group of guys, modeling and showing and teaching. So I don't believe that everyone in this room is called to be a, a life group leader, a discipleship development leader. I just don't believe that's your calling. Some have got the gift of teaching. Some have got the gift of, of leading in that capacity, but not everybody. But, but we are called to go make disciples, every single one of us. And no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, everyone in this room that calls upon the name of Christ that is his, you're called to be a disciple maker. And if you're not doing that, then church, the only way that I can say this is it's sin. We're being disobedient to what God's calling us to be and do. We're all called to be disciple makers. And so look at what he does. Simon, Simon who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the seas. For they were fishermen. That's who he saw. He saw these two brothers, these two boys. You've got Andrew and Simon, and he sees them. They're just doing their thing, living their life in the area of, of fishing. And there they go, trying to make their living. And Jesus is walking and looking. And look at what he does next in verse 19. He engages them, and he said to them, Jesus had the audacity to interrupt their morning of fishing. And thank God he does because it changes the very trajectory of their entire life. So look at what he says to them. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Who's this weird guy that comes along and says, hey. He interrupts us, he engages us and says to follow me. He's intentional with them, is he not? He sees what they're doing. He doesn't let them finish. He doesn't give. No, no, no. Because hear me, church. If, if, we, try to, if we try to rationalize, when will be a good time to ask them to join me in life, to join in in this, this discipleship relationship? When will be a good? There's never a good time. We all just get busier and busier and busier, do we not? Life just gets faster and faster and faster. Life just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Does it not? Is there ever a good time? No, there's never a good time. So what do we do? We just step in and interrupt the situation, whatever it may be. But they're doing this, or they're doing that, or they've got this, or they've got that. Who doesn't is a better question. We're all busy. We've all got stuff that we, we've got to do and that we're a part of. But Jesus interrupts. So for whatever reason, he goes after these two. And so the thing that I love is simply this, is that God will put people in your circles of life that you need to engage and go after. He'll put people in your circle of life, your circle of influence, where you're at in your community, where you're at in your job, even where you sit in this church, I believe, is ordained by God. Well, no, I just picked that every Sunday because it's in the back and the left and nobody will ever. God puts you that he allows you to sit there and I believe everything that he does is intentional. And chances are there's people in your area, even here this morning in this place, that needs to be engaged for making disciples. So he's intentional with them and he goes after these two guys. And then Jesus models for us what this discipleship process looks like. He looks and then he engages, but it's not just surface level engagement. Hey, what about the game last night? What about this? How, much, how many yards did your quarterback have? Well, that was a tough game, but now we've got, we've got next week. And it's not just surface level junk type stuff. Look at again what he asks them to do. Look at what he says to them. He says to them, first thing, follow me. That's not surface level. 
Because in following him, it means that you left everything. You left, but I got this boat, and I've got these nets, and I've got this business, and I've got these, this, and I've got that. No, 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 just follow me. I don't care. That's not surface level. Hey, how you doing? Is your week going okay? Maybe this week we could. No, 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 no. I want you to be a part of what I'm a part of. I want to engage you and I want to bring you along and I want to pour into you and I want to love you and I want to walk with you and that's what Jesus does. Where are they going to follow Jesus? Wherever he goes. Whatever he does. Everywhere. It's going to cost these two guys something. It's going to cost them everything actually. They're walking away from their livelihood. They're walking away from their income. They're walking away from where they're from. Hear me, church, it costs something to follow Jesus. It costs something to follow Jesus. It's gonna cost attention. It's gonna cost energy. It's gonna cost time. It's gonna cost finances. It's gonna cost us to follow Jesus. And that list could go on and on and on. Believe everything. Believe everything that they know to follow him. I mean, is that not crazy? I mean, did they, did they not calculate and did they not think about it? I mean, how crazy that looks in our world. You mean they left everything? Everything it says to do what? To follow Jesus. To be a part of him. To be a part of what he's about to be a part of. I mean, who's going to sign up for that? Who's going to sign up for that? Because for some of us in this room, to follow Jesus today is going to cost us a lot. It's going to cost us a good bit. But hear me. The investment's well worth it. The return on that investment is so well worth it. It's what's been proclaimed from this stage. It's what's been said about the life of a man that passed this week. Man, we have nothing to gain here. Everything that we gain is there. As good as it may be here, as grand and as glorious as it may be here, it, this, is, this, is, this is pathetic compared to eternity with him. And so they leave everything and they follow him. Who's, who, who would sign up for that when we barely allow ourselves to be inconvenienced to half-heartedly follow Jesus in our world? Let alone join him in making disciples or allowing others to pour into us and be discipled. And so I believe that in the scripture, Jesus outlines for us what it means to be a disciple. First, he says, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To follow me is to be born again, is to believe, is to come to faith. This is just where we're pulling a definition for disciple here. So in order to be a disciple, you've, you've got to be a believer. You've got to have crossed from death to life. You've got to come to salvation in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So we're born again. The second thing that we see in the scripture that defines disciple for us, it says, is I will make you. So you've come to faith, and as you've come to faith and you start to journey with Jesus, what he does is this, is he starts to change and transform and shape you. It's you look, act, think, be less like you, and you start to look, think, act, and be more like Jesus. He starts to shape you and mold you whereby you start to become more loving, you start to become more gracious, you start to become more serving, you start to become, you just, we can list out all of what it looks like. But there be, better be growth, there better be movement toward holiness. Galatians 5.22 says it like this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, control. Against our no law and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and his passions and his desires. So are you more loving? Are you more gracious? Are you more patient? Are you more kind? Are you more long-suffering? Do you have more self-control than you did when you came to know Jesus? So we should be being changed, uh, transformed in the image of Christ. And then the last thing that he mentions here is that you'll be fishers of men, which that simply means this, is just you'll be on mission with Jesus. 
that, that you will be on mission with Jesus. Where are you going, church? What was Jesus' mission? To live this out, to make disciples, to show the love of God. Yeah, he was going to the cross, but the whole time that he was going to the cross, he wasn't just focused on the cross. What was he focused on? He was focused on investing in, raising up, discipling, walking with, showing, modeling, encouraging, holding accountable, correcting, all of those things you see as he walks with these men over these three years. All of that. So how do we live out his mission, life on life? We do it together. We do it together. I don't believe that Sunday morning large group gathering is the best ideal model for discipleship. This is part of it where we gather and we lift high the name of Jesus and we celebrate and, and we grow and we hear God's word proclaimed and we allow that to shape us and mold us. Let's not just show up at church for a couple hours a week, hear a sermon and now you're doing it. No, 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 no. That's, Jesus doesn't model and show that, does he? No. How is it? It's by intentionally engaging in life with others where they can press on you, where they can encourage you, where they can hold you accountable, they can love on you, they can walk with you. All of those things. And, and look at their response in verse 20. I, I just, I love this. This is crazy. It says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. It wasn't, well, let, let's give us some time to think about this thing. Yeah, I love Jesus and I would really like to follow him, but the fish are biting, but I've got this to do, or but, no, 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 they just immediately leave their nets and they follow him. And so I believe that maybe a lot of people don't enter into a relationship with Jesus and with others because they're never asked. They're never asked. Let's, let's just, I don't, I don't want you to respond outwardly, but let's, let's, let me just ask you two questions real fast to try to uh, prove this point for a second. Who did you share the gospel with this week and invite them to believe in Jesus? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Did you share the gospel with somebody? Did you invite them to have faith and believe in who Jesus is? The second question I'd ask is this. Who have you asked this week to join you in relationship for the purpose of maturing and being discipled and growing in Christ? Because what I've learned is that when we don't ask, nobody follows. When we don't ask, nobody responds. We're not intentional on that. There will be no response there. But what we see here is Jesus is aware. He sees them and then he engages them and he asks them to follow him. That's what he does. He's aware. He sees. I mean, isn't it crazy? They do it. They do it. And, and I believe that our world is so much like this world. I believe that we live in a world and a culture now that everybody's looking to be a part of something. Everybody wants to be uh, uh, loved on. Everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody wants to be a part of a group or a part of, of something. You, you don't believe me? Just look at social media. I mean, how many groups do you have on your, your page? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many friends do you have? We want to be accepted and loved and a part of something. Just looking for something to belong to. And so we've been given the great responsibility as a church to invite people, to go after people, to love people, to walk with people, to live it out. And what these guys do, what we see happen in this scripture and what I believe will happen in our world is, is people will do it. They will leave stuff. They will count the cost as we see here to learn and grow into a disciple of Jesus. And the same thing will happen if we just engage. If we just engage. And the thing about the story is it doesn't stop there. Look at, look at what happens as the story continues in verse 21. And going on from there, he, who is the he here? He is Jesus. Going on from there, he, 
Jesus saw two other brothers. They're going at Jesus. He's like my man in the back with the, he just won't quit. You got one? Okay, you got one? Okay, you got one? Okay, you got one? Okay. He's, my man's looking. We see Jesus, he doesn't, I got two, I should be, two's pretty full, right? That's good, that's a good round number. Me and these two, we're set, we're good, let's just do our thing. No, 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 no. that's not Jesus' heart. No, he, he goes from there and he left and he saw two other brothers. James, the son of in the boat with Zebedee, their father, bending their nets, and he caught them. Does the same thing with them. There he goes again, just keeps on looking, keeps on engaging. He stays aware. He sees who's around him. He sees something in them for whatever reason, and he goes after them. And look at what happens, the same thing. Verse 22, it says, immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Same thing. Jesus goes from two to four. He goes from two to four and they follow him. More guys are invited and more guys follow. And and what do we know about Jesus? Jesus gets him a group of 12 and then what does he do? He just pours into and he walks with and he shows and he models and he invests and he pours into until the day he goes to the cross. That's what Jesus does. So church, I ask you this morning, are you willing to step out and get involved in all that God has called us to do and be as his church? Are you willing? Because if you're not, then you're living in open rebellion. Jesus asks you to do something, you've been made aware of it, and you're not doing what he asks you to do, then that's sin. That's sin, and I plead, I beg, I implore you, don't live in open rebellion. Don't go against what God has called his church to do and be. Because there's eternity to gain, there's hell to shun, and there's a world to change and flip upside down. Go make disciples of all nations is what he calls us to do. And I'll just give you a crazy little illustration of, of, of controlled chaos whereby we just, we just did that in a room of, of, of almost 200 people. And I've given you numbers. In 30 years, we can reach the world for Christ. 30 years. If we just get serious about doing this and living this out, what Jesus has showed us. So there's two types of people in this room this morning. Two types of people. Ones that need to be discipled. Ones that have probably maybe been in church year after year after year. Maybe you know some things about Jesus, but you've never had anyone pour into you, walk with you, model, and show you. And hear me, Sunday morning here on the stage, that's not doing it. It's where you pick up the phone and you have those difficult conversations or you go eat lunch and you ask those soul-piercing questions. Or how are you doing loving Jesus this week? And it's where you've, you've said, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna give you good. Good is not an answer that's acceptable in a, in a discipleship relationship. That's not an answer. Right now with our little boy, we're kind of battling this thing of, I don't know. Well, buddy, why'd you do that? I don't know. Why did you go, I don't know. I don't know is not an acceptable answer. And then if we asked him like a crazy, like mathematical question, okay, I get that. Because daddy wouldn't know either. But, but an action that you just did or something that you just responded to, there's gotta be a reason why you did it. Same thing in the discipleship relationship. How's your week going? Good, okay, what does that mean? Explain to me how it was good this week. 
Define for me what was good. See, discipleship relationship isn't one where we just ask a question, okay, good, that's great, we're doing great, check. Well, I can see him launching in about three weeks. He'll be fine. He's always good. How are you and Jesus? Good. He's always good with Jesus. Isn't everybody in the church? When all the while our life's falling apart, all the while we're struggling following, all the while we're not being obedient, all the while we get in ruts and we get complacent, all the while we do all of those things, but it's good. Let's ask Jesus how your relationship with Jesus is. How would he respond to that? And so in a discipleship relationship, it's one of those where we engage and we ask those questions with good not being a sufficient answer. If it is the answer, then you follow it out with how you're being good, what that means, what that looks like. How, how is your obedience to him? How are, you, uh, how are you sharing with other people? How are you loving your wife? How are you uh, uh, following him today? How did you uh, live sacrificially? What sin are you struggling with this week? Because I'm not blind and dumb enough to think that everybody in this room or even the guys that I get to journey with, I, I'm not blind and dumb enough to think that they've got it licked and they've got it knocked because what I know is that we're alive and breathing and Satan hates anything that belongs to Jesus. And so what he wants to do is he wants to come after, he wants to beat up, he wants to derail, he wants to destroy and kill is what the scripture teaches. So if you're really doing good with Jesus, then you're in a battle, man. And how can I come along and how can I encourage and how can I walk with and how can I pray for and how can I just learn and glean some understanding from how you're battling? That's what the discipleship relationship looks like and that's what Jesus does with these men. So are you willing, are you willing to step out and be that? Are you willing to take inventory this morning and ask, God, am I one that needs to be discipled? Or am I one that needs to be discipling? And there's many ways to do that. There's many ways to do that. There's one-on-one, one-on-a-few. There's, there's, there's life groups. There's discipleship development groups. I mean, there's tons of ways whereby we can position ourselves and get in places whereby we can be uh, relational with other people. We can be pressed on. We can be pushed on. We can be encouraged and loved. But what if they get to know me? That's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of it. Why be fake? Well, I say, yes, I'm going to do a discipleship relationship, though my life is hell and falling apart, but I don't want them to dare know about it. I mean, how foolish is that? How crazy is that, that you won't share that you're struggling, that you're fighting, that you're battling, that this sin that seems to always betangle you has gotten you again? Why would you not share and walk that out? We see Jesus do that with his disciples. We see him press on them and encourage and challenge and, and correct them. And we need that. We need that in our life. So my question for you this morning, as the band comes back and as we close out, are you one that has this and is ready to give it away and invite somebody in and walk with? Or are you one that's needing that? Are you one that needs to go to somebody that has one of these and engage them and ask them, will you just pour into me? Will you help me? Will you walk with me? Will, will, you, will you just share with me? Will you pray for me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you engage me? Ask me those difficult questions. How's your week going? And then when I answer and I just throw it up everywhere, you're still there to walk with me through it. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God has challenged you with, what God has pressed upon you, what God has done in your heart. I mean, I just want to press you this morning. You be obedient to Jesus. You follow him. 
Church, if we, would get, if we would just get serious with, I'm just asking 20 people. I did it a year and a half ago. I would do it again. It's a year and a half. If you haven't multiplied, if you haven't went after somebody else and release somebody, and when you release somebody, you don't just let them go forever and they're done. You never talk to them again. No, no, you get to still talk to and engage and walk with. Man, we need to release and we need to go after more. 20 people, 20 people in 30 years, 30 years, the whole world have heard about Jesus. And, and I get it. I'm not crazy enough. To, I, I know I am crazy enough to believe that the whole world would be. But, but I know that there will be some that won't. I know that. But man, if we're just willing, obedient, and available to do what God has called us as his church to do, he'll take care of the rest. Will we be serious enough? Lord, help us in this moment to hear what you have to say. God, help us in this moment to challenge us, encourage us. God, do whatever you need to do in this place. God, to bring us to that point. God, I know that there's some here that, that probably need to be discipled. I know that there's some here that need to be discipling. And so God, I pray you just stir in our hearts. God, the response in this moment. Holy Spirit, please move and deal. Then we pray. Amen. You stand. Eric's gonna lead us in a song if you need to come pray. Maybe what response time looks like for you this morning is actually going and saying, hey, would you to somebody in this room? I, I don't know what that will be, but you be obedient to whatever Jesus leads you in in this moment.